will go to Luke chapter 2. Amen. Luke chapter 2. And we'll start maybe somewhere around 29. We'll see if that's where we start. Amen. Again, it's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Merry Christmas to all of you. Amen. And um, I pray that the blessings of the Lord will be upon you and upon your family. And God's will will be done in your life. I am so honored to share this opportunity with you and to be able to worship with you and get into the word of the Lord. I um, I feel like I have a word from the Lord this morning. Um, as I mentioned in our um, meeting, we have a meeting every morning, every Sunday morning with the folks that um, will be a part of the service and what we do. And um, I told them that usually church service on a holiday um, is not as impactful as you would think it should be. And the reason why is we think more about the holiday and our minds and our hearts are not with the Lord like it need to be. So by the time we come together to celebrate and to worship the Lord, it's it's a struggle because of all that we've been involved in. It's not something that you try to do and be naughty or whatever the case may be. It's just that you have to be on guard when you're dealing with the holiday season. So whether it's, you know, if you're having church close to the 4th of July or you're having church, you know, close to Memorial Day or just, you know, Christmas and all of these things, it's a challenge. Even watch night service sometimes can be a challenge because we're thinking about the event more than we're thinking about Christ. And so when your minds are that way, it's, it, it takes a while. It, it, it's, it's a challenge to prepare yourself or to be prepared to receive and to give in a spiritual way. And so um, I don't sense that in here this morning. I must say that I don't sense that in here this morning. I sense a great spirit within this house this morning. I sense that you are um, not so much consumed by all that it, that's going on, the festivities. I feel like you're attentive and ready to hear from the word of the Lord. And that is a wonderful thing as we get into the word of God. Luke chapter 2. Won't keep you long. We'll get your day started. And um, we can be with our family and friends and whoever we're going to be with. It's it's, um, something that we should do. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, not 29, 25. The word of the Lord says, and behold, it means and look, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Somebody say Simeon. Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning waiting for the comfort of the Messiah. That's what he was waiting for. Simeon was a spiritual man. He was a man of God, and he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. So he meant that this man was a spiritual man. Didn't say he res- he had the Holy Ghost, said the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death. Before he had seen the Lord's Christ. My Lord, what a blessing. Dude, you won't die until you see the Lord. 
And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. What was the custom? They were bringing Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. Every child is supposed to be dedicated of the Lord when you are a child of God and you know that. As a parent, that's godly. When you have children, you bring them into the house of God for them to be dedicated. Don't worry about it if you didn't. Just tell you what it's supposed to be uh, as you live as a Christian. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I've entitled the word of the Lord today, Jesus, our salvation. 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 I don't know if you understand what that really means today, but I hope that before we leave here, we will understand Jesus, our salvation. Jesus, we call upon that holy and majestic name even now. Lord, we know you're in this place. We know you're all powerful and we know you're all knowing. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that thy will be done, thy kingdom will come, and thy power will be manifested in our midst. Lord, I don't want anyone to leave this service today without, Lord God, experiencing you for themselves. Just like back when you were born, and Simeon, and so many people was able to experience you. God, will you allow us to experience you in the way you choose this morning that we will leave here knowing Jesus our salvation in Jesus name we pray everybody say amen Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord I want you to preach with me not just listen to me when the word of God speaks to you I want you to worship God can I just insert this thing before I begin to get into the word of God one thing I've learned about the Bible, about Scripture. I've seen in so many places where when Jesus would do anything or when Jesus will reveal anything to the people, you know what they did? They worshipped. They praised. And that's a form of showing gratefulness and gratitude and thanksgiving. And I want to get that attitude of thanksgiving and be be grateful for what God has done. So everything I will read... Everything I will hear, everything I will understand, every thought that come into my mind about the goodness of God, I just want to take a moment and just begin to give Him praise. Just begin to say, Jesus, I adore you and thank you. Jesus, I honor you and worship you. You are so good and you're so kind. I will not be ungrateful. You have been grateful to us. You have been good to us. You've been kind to us. And Lord, I 
I want you to know I appreciate it. I will say it with my lips, but in my heart, Lord God, I will give you praise. I will give you honor, and I will worship you. I will not just speak it from my lips, but I will let you know, God, I'm thankful. I know that I woke up today because you allowed me to wake up. I know I have breath in my lungs because you decided to keep it there. And I'm thankful. I'm grateful that I can be a part of what you're doing in the earth. Oh, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for not allowing me to die in my sins. Thank you, Lord, for saving my wretch. Come on, clap your hands, somebody. It's all right to clap your hands. It's all right to open your mouth and to lift your voice and shout unto God. The Bible says clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph because the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Jesus is Lord! Jesus is Lord! Jesus is Lord! And I worship Him! Jesus is Lord! And I praise Him! Jesus is Lord! And I bless His name! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He's worthy! He's worthy! I don't want to be an ungrateful child of God! I don't want to be ungrateful! I want you to know I'm grateful! I'm grateful! I'm grateful! The world that was... God has never desired the kind of world men have made. The Bible tells us that God worked carefully with men. Yet when he looked for justice, he saw bloodshed. For righteousness, he heard cries of distress. Even the people of Israel who had been given God's law and had been sent prophets to guide them, they twisted life out of shape. The people of Israel were brothers, but in the passion of selfishness, they too cheated one another, lied and tried to use each other. Yet the more life fell under the control of sin. The emptier life Seemed, and the more frustrated people became. People are struggling to live. They keep on living by habit because they have lost all sense of purpose or meaning in life. Not all the power and money of this world, nor the progress of our modern technology have been able to satisfy the basic need all people share to find life's meaning. 
we're struggling to find life's meaning. And because we're trying to find life's meaning without the one that created life, we become frustrated. And we have created a habit of how we live. And we have just become attached to our habits and live according to our habits because we have not truly found out the meaning of life. But if we're going to ever find out the meaning of life, we have to go to the source where life come from. We can't find a meaning. And so we conduct our everyday life out of habit, out of routine. One of the hardest things to do is to break routine. I don't care if it's good routine, mediocre routine, or bad routine. Once we've established routines, we just go by them every day. And it seems so difficult to make a change. We come to church and the Lord speaks to our heart to try to get us to make a change. And we say, you know, that's true. You know, that's right. You know, I really need to do that. But somehow we can't seem to make Make that change. Neither our riches nor technology have been able to break the bondage of sin that constantly expresses itself in individuals' life and our society. We can't break it. We, 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 we try our best to, 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 to live a different life and to try to live without sin controlling us. We, we're trying our best to, 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 to overcome the things that we're struggling with and, and challenged with. And, and we have to be honest and say, I just can't seem to do it. It's okay to admit that I just can't seem to overcome the things that I need to. In the birth of Jesus, God acted decisively to bring new life to individuals and transformation to human culture. In the birth of Jesus, God extended humanity an invitation to new life. To every person who lives by habit, without direction or meaning or real hope, to you, to me, Jesus' birth offers a fresh Newness, a life turned around and transformed by the power of God. Now, I'm telling you, we have always heard what God can do, and some of us have experienced a little bit of what God can do, but we've heard about greater things that God can do, and we still have not experienced them, and that sometimes makes us go back into our routine, our habit, our way of just going through the daily routine of life, but I'm telling you, if God can do the little things, He can do the big things. It's not up to you to do it, but it's up to God. Sometimes you're wondering why it's not happening. Well, you're not God. And you don't understand. And you don't know when it will or when it should happen. If we will just let God be God and we be who we are, then we'll begin to experience the things God had chosen and called for us to experience. We just need to trust God. He can do it, church. Jesus can do it. This is what the Gospel of Luke is about. The Gospel of Luke is about a transformed life. In Luke, Jesus is presented as the transformer. (laughs) With a message of new life for the world. Jesus, the transformer. I'm afraid that God's 
that what God says is salvation, we treat like it's bondage. Oh, that's so big. I'm telling you what God has already said and have already established for us to understand what true salvation what true liberty is, we've come to a place where we're living like we know better than God. And I can prove it to you. If we know what God says and we don't do what God says, then guess what? We're saying we know a little bit better than you, God. But if we didn't know as good as God does, when God says something, guess what? We will do it because we understand He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. And I'm telling you, if we will trust God, we won't treat His salvation like it's bondage. Humans have lived a depraved life for so long that it seems we have chosen depravity over salvation or we have, or we are more comfortable living in a depraved state. We want to get out. We can't get out. We, we, we want to change our situation. We can't change our situation. It gets to the point where we just don't even talk about it or we just try to avoid one another so we don't have to talk about it. Yeah, I'm just not going to go to church or I'm just not going to talk to you or when I do come to church, I give you a little, hey, how you doing? And just keep moving real quick so we don't have to talk about anything because it's just not happening for me. Mm -hmm. Until we believe Jesus is our salvation, we will continue to live in bondage and deceive ourselves that it's salvation. Many are living in such a bound, bound up situation. Things that just, you can't seem to break free. You, you can't seem to be loose. You're bound and you, you, you can't get things moving. But you're in church. But you've been born again. But you're talking the talk, and you seem like you're walking the walk. But if truthfully, if, if, if you would say the truth that's in your heart, you will say, I, I'm supposed to be a Christian, and I'm supposed to be living this, this life of Christianity totally free. Right. Salvation! But it's not happening that way. Mm -hmm. Humans have lived the depraved life so long that it seems we have chosen depravity over salvation, or we are more comfortable living in a depraved state. When we say Jesus, our salvation, what does that mean? It means he is our savior. I want you to stop for a second and think about that. Jesus is our savior. Savior? I thought my life was fine. I eat every day. I go to work whenever I I need to. I kind of do whatever I want. I drive whatever I want. I got my own money. I'm living my own life. I think I'm fine. Why do I need a savior? But Jesus said we need a savior. That's question one right there that we probably didn't do enough asking about. We didn't research a lot. Why do I need a savior? I'm good. I don't look like I'm locked up. I don't look like I'm, I'm in captivity. Why do I need a savior? 
Mm-hmm. Jesus, our salvation, means he is our savior. What is he saving us from? He's saving us from sin. What is sin all about? Sin prevents us from becoming who God created us to become. Can I just go ahead and say, you, you, you don't have a, a real good view on who you are. Most of us can't even fathom who we're supposed to really be. We have settled for some fictitious person. You're not your true self if you haven't totally surrendered your life to God. You're not your true self because you don't know your true self. You don't know your real identity because you didn't bring yourself into this world. You didn't create you. And so the one that created you is the one that knows who you are and who you're supposed to become. That's who knows it. And so we constantly try to, to shape our life in the way we go about the things we do or not do. We, we, we try to shape our life to determine who we ought to be. And that's what you know. And God is saying, that's not who I know. That's not who I know. When God called Jeremiah to prophesy unto Israel, Jeremiah says, I can't, Lord. Jeremiah says, Lord, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm not able. I'm a, I'm a child. And the Lord says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I consecrated you, set you aside to be the prophet of the Lord. So, what am I saying to you? God already ordained who you would be eventually. Do you know who that person is? <laughs> Do you know who that person is? Because if that person had not manifested itself, itself, himself, or herself, then you really don't know who that person is. And how will you ever know who that person is until you allow the one who created you, uh, the one who chose you to be who you're supposed to be, until you allow that one to mold you uh, and to shape you and make you uh, into what uh, he was thinking, uh, into what uh, he imagined uh, when he molded you, when he called you, uh, until you surrender to that one. You don't really know who you are. You only know the person that you have made yourself become. You know what I love about all this? With all of this, God knew everything that would transpire in your life. And he has not disqualified you to still become who he wants you to become. So as you sit here this morning, you're not disqualified. God didn't give up on you to say, you're not doing it so just later for you. That's how we think. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. And he's still calling for you to become who he said you would be. You're not disqualified. You still can become who God says you will become. Sin prevents us from becoming who we're supposed to become in Christ. 
And that's why we needed a Savior, because we were living in sin. It's a difference in living in sin and sinning. I don't go with the whole, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. Once I got saved, I'm not a sinner anymore. Don't get, don't get quiet on me. Don't get quiet on me. Before I was born again, I lived in sin. Every day of my life, I woke up, I sinned. But when I became born again, I may commit sin, but it's not how I lived anymore. You follow what I'm saying? That's how you need to look at your life first to kind of start examining your life. When, 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 when I was not in Christ, when I was not born again, every day I woke up, sin wasn't a thought of sin because it was who I am. It was how I lived. It was how my life was ordered. It was just sinful every day. I didn't pray. I didn't, I, I, I didn't be, I didn't do the things, the word of God's. It was just automatic. You did wrong. Oh, just me? Just me, huh? I was the only one in this room that before Christ, when I woke up, it was just automatic. Sin. All right, I'll, I'll be the only one. Oh, Brother Sharp, thank you so much, Brother Sharp. Somebody else telling the truth. <laughs> you just woke up and sin ordered your day. Sin say, hey, my friend, let's go hang. And me and sin was just chilling the whole day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sin is lawlessness. Comparing to God. Okay? It's transgression of God's will. Either by omitting to do what God's law requires. Or by doing what it forbids. The transgression can occur in thought. In word. Or in deed. Mm -hmm. So this sin thing is what prevents us from being who God called us to be. So that's why we need a Savior. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And guess what? You needed a Savior to get you out of your sin, and you need a Savior to keep you out of your sin. I don't know if we think once the Savior come and get us out of our sin, we think we're grown now. I'm good. I can handle this now. And we think we don't need him anymore. We can order our own life and stay out of sin. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. Once he pull us out of sin, he is still the one that's going to keep us out of sin. Because we lived in sin so long that we took on a nature to sin. We lived in sin so long that it's our default way of living. And if we don't stay connected to the one that pull us out of sin, then we will continue to serve sin. And we can't forget that we need a Savior to come out of sin, and we need a Savior to keep us out of sin. That's why we need a Savior. So if you ever want to know why you need a Savior, it's because you are in sin or you were in sin and you can't get yourself out. We can't get ourselves out of sin. How many of us would have got ourselves, how many of us, listen to this one, how many of us 
Forget about sin for a while. Just think about when you weren't living for God, how many times you messed up and then, man, when you realize how bad it was and you seem like it's go- it's, it looked like it was going to threaten like a lot of stuff, you wouldn't even save. You didn't know God, but you said, man, God, if you can help me out of this, I won't do that, do that no more. You wouldn't even save. You didn't even know Jesus. But you said, Lord, man, if you can get me out of this, I won't do that anymore. You had enough sense to know you shouldn't have been doing that. And you wouldn't even save. So you know you were a sinner and you needed a Savior to save you out of your situation. And you called on the Savior even when you didn't know the Savior. So it's clear. We need a Savior. And that Savior is to save us from our sin. Because sin prevents us from becoming who God say we are supposed to be. You tired of you? Don't get tired of situations. Get tired of you. Don't blame the situations. Get tired of yourself being what you've always been. Don't blame nobody else and say, it's because of them. It's because, no, 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 no. I need you to say, when, when you're going to get yourself together so you can stop falling into this situation? Wayne, when you're going to get yourself together so you can live the life that's pleasing unto the Lord? Wayne, when you're going to get yourself together that you no longer do that? Wayne, when you're going to get yourself together that every day you can please God the way He wants you to please Him? It's not anybody else. It's not because of the president. It's not because of this one. It's not because of that one. It's not because of somebody you work with. It's not because of your neighbor. It's not because of your spouse. It's you that needs a Savior. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Say, God, I need a Savior. God! I need a savior. Anybody need a savior in this house today? I don't know about you. I'm not ashamed to tell the Lord I need a savior. I can't do it by myself. I will never be saved. I will never be kept from destruction except the savior does it. No shame to my game. I need a savior. And when the Savior stretched forth his hand, I better say, all right, Savior, what is salvation? I'm almost done. Salvation, what is salvation? Salvation includes freedom from bondage. You need salvation if you feel like you're stuck in a situation. You need salvation if you feel like you're just oppressed. Something is weighing you down. Can't get over it. Or that's suppression, but oppression, you're, you're controlled. So salvation includes freedom from bondage, freedom from oppression, freedom from suppression, freedom from captivity. Some of us could be around people or live with people that try to control our life. Yes. That's not salvation. If you're being controlled, that's not. Listen, all of us, even the Lord, if you don't give him the control, he won't control you. (laughs) Even the Lord Jesus, if you don't, 
give him the control, he won't control you. So if anybody's controlling you, God is not pleased. But these are some of the things that have us bound and we're wondering, how do we get out of that kind of stuff? You need a savior. Uh huh. Salvation also includes freedom from fear and hopelessness. Without being saved, without having salvation, fear reigns in your life. Hopelessness reigns in your life. So while everybody's hoping and, and wishing and, 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 and fantasizing, you don't have no hope. Your hope is probably a fantasy, I should say it that way. Because sometimes we make our, we make things a fantasy around us. It's, it's not, it's not realistic. And so fear and hopelessness sometimes grip us. That we need deliverance from. Deliverance from danger. Deliverance from evil. When you're talking about salvation, we need to be free oh, from fear and from hopelessness. We need to be delivered from danger and evil. There's danger lurking. There's evil that's lurking. And if those things are lurking, guess what? We need a Savior. There are some things in life, you, you can't do anything about it. Can I, can, I, can I tell you this? Without Jesus, the devil will cross you up and tie you up and get what he wants from you. Oh, yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Without Jesus, the devil will tie you up and cross you up. And then he's so good at his job, he makes you think you're okay in the midst of doing that. Somebody say, I need a savior. Yes, I need a savior. Salvation. Listen to this last one about salvation. Salvation also includes freedom to truly love. To have meaningful, godly relationships. Listen, if we're not loving, if we're afraid to love, if we're not loving the way we need to love, we have not fully embraced the salvation that God is presenting to us. Because the Bible says, uh, fear is not of God. But perfect love casts out all fear. And so the bottom line is, we can't say we love if fear is involved. You got to look at it like this. Here's, I'm helping somebody this morning. I feel it in my bones that I'm helping you this morning. Here is how you stand with your God. That person don't treat me right. They don't deserve my love. But I'm going to love them anyhow. Because my love don't pretend. My, my love don't predicate on them. My love predicate on Jesus. A lot of times we're, we don't want to give our love because here is the love. Here's the rub with that. If I love them and they treat me wrong, I, I'm j- I just can't. So you know what we're doing? We're guarding our heart. You need a savior for that. If you're guarding your heart, you need a savior. Because guess what? If I got the savior in my life, can't nobody destroy me. Can't, 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 can't nobody do anything to me. I'm not telling you I can't be hurt. I'm just telling you the Savior will keep me in all of that. The Savior will make it all right in all of that. I don't have to hide. I don't have to hide my heart. Oh, I, ain't worried. I, don't want them to, I don't want them to hurt me. Oh, I understand that bad experiences have transpired. But I'm telling you, if you're covering up your heart not to love, you need a Savior. 
Because that's what he came for. Because why were we hurting one another? Why were we doing one another wrong? Because we weren't loving one another. Listen, the Bible says the two greatest commandment, commandment number one, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. You get that part wrong, you're in trouble because you won't know how to do the second part to that. And thou must love the Lord thy God. How are you going to love three God? And thou must love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength. So the first commandment is to know that God is one and you want to love Him and Him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul and all of your strength. It's going to be very difficult to try to love all three that you don't really know you can't love what you don't know that's why he made it clear Tony he says I'm one I'm not three I'm one and you must know me and love me then the second commandment says and you must love your neighbor Uh huh. so here is the rub now the struggle is because I didn't embrace the savior I'm not able to love nobody I'm covering it up. Oh, I don't want to get hurt. Well, well, you have put yourself in a position of Savior because you don't want to get hurt. Oh, did somebody hear me on that? When you put yourself in a place of worrying about hurt, you have become your Savior. But when you trust the Savior, you just know that's part of the game. I'm going to get hurt, but the Savior is right there to make me feel better. Somebody help me on this morning. Well, it's afternoon now. All right. I'm getting ready to bring this thing to a close here. Isaiah 42, verse number five. Thus saith God. Here's a prophecy from Isaiah that the Lord made him prophesy. Thus saith God, the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and a spirit to them that walk therein. He gave you his qualification. I love that. That was the, that was the Lord's qualification there. Isaiah's prophesying about the Lord. So Isaiah, Isaiah is giving you the Lord's qualification. He says, the one that created the heavens and stretched forth the, stretch it out, the one that spread the, the earth and that, that, that which come out of it, everything that come out of the earth, the one that give breath unto the people upon it. Is there any questions about where your breath came from? When are we going to appreciate him? All of us know in this place that breath seem like it's just, just, just how things are. But let that breath, any of you have asthma or any of you experience a time where you're short of breath, let that start happening and you see how quick you realize, oh my goodness, how much I need breath. We just read where it came from. This is why I don't need music. I don't need anything to just lift my hands and say, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I honor you and I give you the praise because you're so good. Because I realize every breath, every time I breathe in and breathe out, it's because he made it possible. It's not because I'm this great person. It's not because I have anything to make that happen. It's because he, the almighty, the creator, is the one that keeps that breath in my lungs. 
So he gave his qualifications. Verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand. Oof, I love that. When I read that, I said, man, hold my hands, Jesus. I just can picture it. I can picture him walking and, I, I, and he's just pulling me along. He says, I will hold thine hand and will keep thee. He bring you out of sin. He would hold your hands and he will keep you. And give thee for a covenant of the people. All the covenant I've made. I will keep them. For a light of the Gentiles. Look at, look at, look at this. He goes further. To open the blind eyes. To bring out the prisoners from the prison. And to them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. Can I just slip something in on that? Just came to my mind. He said he will not give his praise to graven images. You know what it means? God is not looking for images to praise him. Images don't have breath. Images don't have life. Images, images don't understand. They don't have soul. God is not looking for images to praise him. He's looking for his creation with his breath. It's his breath that's in you. And he's looking for them that are his, that have his breath, to praise him. You know what I love about God? God is not unrealistic. The scripture says, oh, no man, nothing. God is talking to his people. He's saying his people should owe no man nothing. You know why he's telling you that? Because he don't owe nobody nothing. It's not because he's God. It's just the way he does things. So when you go through the scripture and you start to read, you will see he's not asking you for anything that's unrealistic or that's unjust. You remember, you remember the servant that talked about, you know, I buried the one talent? Where did he get the one talent from? You see what I'm saying? God never comes back to you and, and asks you for something that he never... Oh my God. He's not asking you for anything he never gave you. Whatsoever God is asking from you is something he's already given to you. It's, it's unjust for us to not respond to God when he says, praise me. When he says, worship me. When he says, come unto me and I will give you rest. When he calls you, when he says, give your life to me, he's not being unjust. He called that servant unjust because that servant was trying to hoard something that didn't belong. My God, my God, we're trying to hold on to things that don't belong to us. And God is saying, I gave it to you so you can return it to me. Don't you hold on to it. You need to give it back because we're working together for the good of the Lord and to reach our lost world. God don't owe anybody anything. So whatever he's asking you, 
He didn't owe you something. He didn't owe you anything. Well, God, you know, you had asked me to do this, and you never really paid me. <laughs> so so, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to pay me before I can do the next thing you need me to do. Yeah, I need to get paid. And God is like, I don't owe no man nothing. I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will I give to another. Will I not give to another? Neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and the new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This was a prophecy about what we're talking about today. Jesus, our salvation. You understand some things that he said, he'll hold our hands. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We have to realize that all along, God's eyes was upon us. It was always the plan for us to have a savior because we, re- he, we, we messed up when he put us in a place where we were safe and sound and, and everything was good. We distorted it. We messed it up. We brought sin into it. And then we needed a savior. This is why God became the man, Christ Jesus, by being born of a woman to become the salvation for humans. Don't ever forget, Almighty God became man. His name is Jesus, our salvation. No man was qualified enough. They, no man was able to, to, to be our Savior. Only one could have been our Savior. Not the Son of God. God who became Son. When the Scriptures say Son of God, that's really what he's saying. God who became Son. There is no possible way for Son to be in heaven because there wasn't no physical man and physical woman mating to have children. So it wasn't possible for no Son to be in heaven. And in creation, you don't read about God uh, created a son. Almighty God all by himself became a human. Because it, only a human could save other humans. It couldn't work any other way. It would be unjust. For an alien to save you, it don't work. Right? So man messed up and a man saved Mankind. This is why in Genesis chapter 3, verse, I believe, 15, it talked about that Jesus will become the man that will bruise the serpent's head. Mm-hmm. He's not playing. So let me finish up here today. So back to my original text. Jesus, our salvation. Luke chapter 2, verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. It means, have no doubt about it, the Lord liked to make big splashes when he's getting ready to do something for us. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came, the Holy Ghost fell when it was the Feast of Festivals. People from every walk of life was gathered there. 
He says, perfect time for me to demonstrate my power and demonstrate what I'm doing. And so here, everybody was trotting on up to go pay their taxes. He liked to make a splash when it's all about him reaching us. So when he was born, it was when that decree had just came. Everybody now will be taxed. You got to go to City Hall, <laughs> wherever the City Hall was, your local um, um, City Hall. You need to go and pay your taxes. So he made a splash then. That's when he was born. So everybody knew about his birth. We had the, the, the shepherds and the wise men that went and, and, and saw that. And so we understand that he did this out in public. Everybody was able to see the salvation was born. This is why Simeon said, I can now die. So Simeon said, I can die now because I've seen the salvation of the Lord. None of us don't want to die until we see and embrace the salvation of the Lord. I think there's a message right in there that Simeon was giving us. Simeon was a man that was spiritual. Simeon was a man of God, a devout man. But guess what? He, he was told by the angels that you will see the Lord before you die. And guess what? That encouraged him to live and to keep pushing because he had to see the face of our God, the salvation of our God before he died. And then the day happened, he saw the salvation, and he says, I'm good now, doesn't matter. I'm telling you, when you receive the salvation of the Lord, you will feel that way. I'm good now. I can, I can roll up out of here. It doesn't matter what happens. I've seen, I've embraced the salvation of the Lord. The scripture text said in 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And for this Next two minutes, I will say this to you. Jesus, our salvation, is our light. That's what he said. A light to the Gentiles. Simeon referred to Jesus as a light for revelation. Listen to this. Light naturally allows us to see what is happening around us. And where we need to go. So in a natural state, when light is shining, we can see everything that's going on around us. We know where to go. So in the natural, that's what light does for us. In the spiritual, light gives us understanding and knowledge. Without light, darkness means ignorance. So when the scripture talk about light in the spiritual, it's talking about revelation, it's talking about knowledge, it's talking about understanding. Because without light is what? Darkness. Darkness means ignorance. Just think about it for a second how God know how to make these parallel. If some place is dark, guess what? You gotta feel around and get around. Oh my goodness. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta feel. And you better know the place to know what to feel to move around. If you don't know the place, you still can't get around in darkness. So darkness hinders you from knowing where to go and see what is coming at you if it's dark. If you are in light, you will know where to go. You will see what's coming at you. Well, in the spiritual, darkness keeps you ignorant. So, 
won't step on your toes, but I'll tell you the truth. When we're not living for God, we're ignorant. That's things. I know you're smart, but you're still ignorant if you're not living for God. Because God is the one that provides understanding, that provides knowledge. And so as smart as you are in your world, God said he will let the, the, the wisdom of this man, of this world, foolishness. So the bottom line is, as smart as you are in this world, God says it's foolishness. Why is God really saying that? For a lot of reasons, but here's one reason. What is it going to get you? If you are really smart in this world and you are brilliant, Einstein, let's go with Einstein. What does that get you if you don't have a savior? You see why God can say the, 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 the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God? Because what God is after is to save us. And as smart as we could be, that, that as, as brilliant as we could be, it can't save us. It's only by the word of God. It's only by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only by Jesus being our salvation can we ever be saved. We need a savior. And so, light Make stillness come alive. Light settle fears. Light reveal mysteries. Light enables relationship. Don't go there. Jesus is God in flesh. Eternal light breaking into spiritually dark world. Our world without God was spiritually dark. Spiritually dark. Yes, we just continue living life. But what did I say earlier? We lived out of habit. Our world without Jesus is spiritually dark. And as long as we're living without Jesus, we're living in darkness, but we don't really understand it. But that's good that you came to church because you can hear that if you're not living for God, even though everything seems normal to you, you're really spiritually in darkness. Mm-hmm. Light, light enables relationship. Jesus is, 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 is the flesh Jesus is God in the flesh, eternal light, breaking into spiritual dark world. Jesus is your light. He is not a distant sun, remote and driven by physics, laws. Jesus is the light of your life, your courage, and your enabler. Let's walk in salvation. Let's walk in Jesus. Let's walk in the light. This is why he came to the world. And so while we celebrate Christmas, everybody's saying happy holidays because you're dealing with Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever you want to call it. Listen, the world always try to get their own thing going. And so the birth of Jesus was the birth of Jesus. It was the focal point of his people. And then I'm sure the world decided, okay, let's create some stuff to compete with that. And this is where we find ourselves today. And that's why everybody wants to say about 
all of these holidays. I'm polite enough to not make anybody feel uncomfortable. But as you know from me that for me is Merry Christmas. It's a joyful season. This is me celebrating the birth of our Savior. Because you know what? I am. I, listen, church. Can I tell you this as I close? We need to be bold for Christ as we move forward into this new year. We can't keep on just just trying to fit in and chill. We need to begin to speak up. Amen. The other day I heard somebody say, yeah, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas. And I'm just watching. I, listen, this is no shot at anybody. All I'm saying to you is, the people that's doing what they're doing outside of Christ don't have a problem saying what they're doing. That's all I'm saying. I'm not taking any shots at anyone. The people that are not living for Christ have no problem discussing what they're doing outside of Christ. Well, why is the people of Christ getting silent like we're, we're intimidated or we're afraid to speak up and say, Oh, okay, I hear you, but guess what? Jesus is the Savior and I'm going to continue to just exalt His name. I'm going to continue to brag about Him because you know what? Every knee will bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I always heard back in the day, whoever laughs last, laughs best. Stand with me. I am not going to be intimidated. I am not going to keep my mouth shut about Jesus being our Savior. He is our Savior. Tell your neighbor, Jesus, our Savior. He is. We all need a Savior. And anyone act like they don't need one, pray for them. Don't even tell them they're ignorant. Just pray for them. Because we all need a Savior. If we didn't need a Savior, He wouldn't come. Let's take a moment. Pray that God will touch your heart in a special way today. We're getting ready to get out of here. Pray that God will touch your heart in a special way. And that you're able to understand what God's intention and purpose is for your life. And that we will become bold in Christ and no longer pretend and no longer let everybody else say what they want. But we can't say what we want about Christ. Because Jesus, our Savior. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word today. You are our Savior. And Lord, we understand that we needed a Savior. Lord, I pray for individuals all around this world, even in this church and in our community, that are ignorant that they need a Savior. Lord, we're just going about life and doing just what we've always done. We're just, oh God, just being habitual in how we live and not realizing that we need a Savior. So I pray today, Lord God, that my family, my children, all of my family members, Lord God, will realize that they need a Savior and that you are their Savior and that they will open up their heart to allow you to come in and save them, Lord God. I pray for this church family, Christ-centered church family, Lord God, that every person that is a part of this church and their family will come to the understanding and the truth and the knowledge that they need a Savior and that Jesus Christ, you almighty God, are our Savior. And I pray, my God, that they will extend